This episode of Harmonious Gentlemen is brought to you by Blind Man Brewing, makers of craft beer in central Alberta. Say hi to Hans when he delivers beer right to your doorstep. This is the 26th episode of Harmonious Gentlemen. We're recording live. Well, I guess anytime we're recording, we're live, but you you're probably that. hearing this later. <laughs> yeah. If um, we were a periodic, on the periodic table of elements, we'd be iron. And I think it's going to take an iron gut to discuss tonight's topic. <laughs> My name is Chris. I'm Peter. I'm Tyler. And I'm Graham. That might be your 26th best intro yet. <laughs> <laughs> So, hey, everyone. Tyler, uh, thank you for welcoming us back to your front porch. Yeah. Thanks fire. for coming to the porch and not inside my house. Yeah. Oh. I don't think listeners need to be told that we're outside because of the birds. And the last episode right. was a lot of birds. Also, we're still in only stage two, so probably right. we know that we can't be inside together. Yeah, it wasn't that I didn't want you like in my house. It was just, oh, I want to respect assumed. the social distancing okay, gotcha. recommendations. Peter, how you been? You know, pretty good. Okay. Am I supposed to say more? <laughs> <laughs> well, you haven't seen it for a little bit, you know. Well, it's, that, it's that was like really an open-ended uh, question there. Yeah. It's, yeah. Okay. I, I've been learning Latin. Really? really? Yeah. That's been fun. The only thing that surprises me about that statement is that you didn't know it before. <laughs> well, I yeah. did take a year of it in high school, but that doesn't count. Yeah. You just learned the verbs, probably. Yeah. Hear that, Tyler? High school doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let's like edit our, that like out. Our life's work. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler's going to hit us with an email. Um, yes. Guess who it's from. Guess who it's from. We get bombarded with emails, but we only really have time to read one or two, and so we're going to have to go <laughs> Tim Alien again on this one. Yeah, if you want to get yours read on the podcast, you need to write <laughs> one that's better than Tim Alien. Yeah. No. Um, dear Harmonious Gentlemen, if emails to harmonious gentlemen represented the order of the planets from the sun, then this email would be Uranus. <laughs> <laughs> On a recent intergalactic vacation, I was excited to see your podcast titled Michael Jordan Gambles With Our Hearts appear in my library. I quickly yep. downloaded it, certain that you would confabulate on Michael Jordan's most valuable contribution to our universe, Space Jam. You can imagine my disgust and disappointment when you chose to spend the majority of your time pontificating on the documentary that barely touches on Space Jam. <laughs> this should not surprise me by now, as humans tend to spend most of their time pretending like they're the only ones that exist. <clears throat> In my initial rage, I contemplated this being my last Harmonious Gentleman episode. <sighs> However, your advocacy on extraterrestrials' behalf Concerning the disgusting shoe names that Reebok continues to put out <laughs> on Alien Day, combined with me harnessing my inner Jedi, has me thinking you deserve the last chance. Wow. Live long and prosper, sugar water guy. We will live long and prosper. Thank you. That's clever. You know, if it helps, the only thing I know of Michael Jordan is Space Jam, so... Hmm. Really? Yeah, we should have had you on. Do you know sports? Well, it's place? a good thing you didn't have me on, because <laughs> that's, that's it. So, Tyler, yeah, why don't you let the listeners know what we're talking about tonight? Well, as our listeners probably know, um, George Floyd was killed in the United States recently, and that has sparked a lot of conversation and protests and riots and all kinds of turmoil. So that is kind of the starting point for our, our conversation. But it's a couple of weeks past now, so things have happened, I think, even in Canadian news and, and things have kind of grown since um, the George Floyd, um, his his murder. So, yeah, that's kind of the starting point, kind of heavy topic. We've got Peter here to tell us what is going on in his country. Yeah. And maybe even give us a, kind of a perspective of an American in Canada. Hmm. That's kind of something Looking I'm curious about. Looking over the border, about. yeah. Um, so yeah, racism, white privilege. It's kind of what I'm thinking. We yeah. we talked earlier about, you know, our own experiences. We don't have the the biggest variety of experiences, and so we can't maybe. There's certain things that we want to talk about. We think there's value there, but there's also certain things we can't really, you know, 
right. talk about or solve or figure out, right? Like there's limits to what we can do, but yep. I think it's really important to have these kinds of conversations and I'm looking forward to this talk. Yeah. yeah. We've, uh, on other topics, we were definitely experts and very knowledgeable, but this one, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah. This is one true. we don't, we don't claim to be experts. No. Um, but yeah, we'll just be honest and talk yeah. about it a bit. Okay. After the break, we'll recommend quickly and then we'll get to it. Peter, you're starting us off. So think of something. Now we're at the part of the podcast where we do recommendations. Um, and my recommendation, and I'm a little nervous about this because as a pastor, I always try to avoid anything with politics. Um, I like it when people uh, have difficulty guessing my politics, except for like my closest friends tend to know. But, um, but my recommendation is uh, Michelle Obama's uh, autobiography, which is quite good. I'm almost done. Um, I've been listening to it. I haven't been reading it, uh, but listening to it has been great because uh, it's Michelle Obama reading it. Um, but it's a, it's gives a wonderful perspective on just like, uh, um, being the, the, uh, first, uh, black president and, uh, family and American politics. Uh, um, that's, it's just been, uh, like difficult to hear at some parts, but also refreshing to hear. Like she's just very candid about everything. So I highly recommend that, that book. Um, and it's, even if you have disagreements with their politics, I think you'll find it to be a very refreshing book. Mm-hmm. Cool. Thanks. Man. Yeah. My wife just finished reading it too. And she would second your recommendation for what that, what that means, what that counts for. The wife of a gentleman, also. It, it sounds like you're making a motion. I, I second that recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And it passes. My recommendation is a restaurant in Edmonton, Langano Skies. It's an Ethiopian restaurant. Um, it's unique and it's, yeah, authentic food. I, my memories of eating there were uh, with a large group and you kind of, we wouldn't, I wonder what they're doing actually right now with the COVID restrictions because it was a very communal style of eating. Um, and just I remember the, the, the soft bread you got. You would kind of pick up the meat and the, the vegetables with the meat or with the bread. And it was just a really unique your experience. Yeah. And the food was really fresh and um, really well done. So what Langano part of town is it in? It's on White Ave, okay. but towards the east end of it, so further away from the university. Um. But yeah, Langano Skies. Nice. If you're in Edmonton. I'm so hungry right now. Do you have any food that we could eat during the podcast? Um, I'll check. It's not fair to say all that because I'm just hungry. <laughs> Would uh, that be following COVID restrictions if we had food? If he feeds them to me with his hands, it's fine. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> my recommendation is taking kids to playgrounds at 9 a.m. Oh. Take kids to playgrounds at 9 a.m. Because that's when all the other kids are also there? <laughs> no. The only kids we find there are relaxed, having a good time. Hmm. It's just beautiful. I'm not going to say much else. The temperature, the peacefulness of it all, the kids get their energy right away. Do it. Yeah. If you have little so kids. So if not, first have them and then take them to playgrounds okay. at 9 a.m. Can nice. you uh, tell us which playground so we can send everybody to? Well, we, we changed up. Uh, Rotary Park in Red Deer is really nice. There's a lot of variety there. Oh, I just wanted to ruin your playground experience. I know, That's I'm going to move past it here. <laughs> <laughs> On my birthday, no less. He's going to tell you how the book ends if you're not careful. <laughs> um, how, how Obama's book ends? Yeah. Oh, Trump wins. That's the yeah. end. The term comes to an end. <laughs> okay, I'm going to recommend a movie. I'm sure many of you have seen it. Probably everybody has by now. It's called Parasite by the Korean director Bong Joon-ho. And it's very famous because it won all the awards at the Academy Awards, but uh, including Best Picture and Best Director. Uh, it's time to watch it if you haven't seen it. And I think it's on Netflix or Crave, one of the two. If it's Netflix, I, I'm on it because I've been wanting to see it for a long time, but I don't think it's there. I haven't uh, seen it yet either. Just amazingly told story of, yeah, kind of class struggle and definitely worth a watch. I won't say too much about it. Have you seen it, Peter? No, I haven't, but I'm going to guess a 96%. You're so- low. You're lowballing it. Oh, is it is it ninety eight? Higher. 
Ooh. It can't be a hundred. It's not a hundred. Only Mary Poppins is a hundred. I think I That's think it's ninety nine, <laughs> but I'm not hundred percent sure on that. It's, I'm ninety nine percent sure it's ninety nine. Yeah, it's very high. I've just been uh, I've checked it here. Four hundred and thirty five critics, ninety nine percent. Oh, so who is the doinkus who gives it? <laughs> and the no, audience like, score is ninety two, which is pretty incredible. So wow, yeah, yeah, it's it. it's very very well done. Awesome. As are all of his other movies. So check out. Parasite or Bong Joon-ho's movies. What a variety of recommendations from the gentleman tonight. Just a beautiful mm-hmm. cacophony of... <laughs> <laughs> you just said that because you heard that bird go off. <laughs> you, you can tell who the intellectual gentlemen are. Yeah. yeah. The ones that sit on a park bench at 9 a.m. and listen to the birds. Ponder <laughs> cacophonous sounds. So normally on our podcast, we talk about things that are divisive, and then we try to talk about them in a way that is um, harmonious, or we try to look at it from different points of view and um, just model civil discourse, I think is the way we said it way back, episode two or three. Yeah. Um, And with what's going on right now in the world and all the talk of racism, it's kind of hard to think about what is the... It's definitely become divisive like I can feel that but I don't really know what the other side is sometimes like I know there are racist people and there are people who are openly um, white supremacists but that's a pretty small minority of people so then the conflict or the the conversations I'm having with people and I've had a few in the last couple of weeks where I've had to actively be harmonious like what is the what are the tensions? Because those people were out and out racist? No, no, because they're not. So I'm I'm saying, what is, it's hard to right, distinguish okay. like where these tensions are coming from. Right. And one thing that's, because I think I've had conversations with people and neither of us would say we're racist, but we're definitely not on the same page. So I know right? you, I know you're not a racist, but how can you not be on the same side as everybody else on this issue? Right. And some things yeah. like, and maybe we'll talk about those throughout. This episode, we'll kind of see where it goes. There would be things like privilege or mm-hmm. um, Canadian context or like, yeah, we can get there. But maybe one thing that's been going on is the pushback and petitions to make. Um, oh, shoot. What, what's the name of the Confederate flag? flag? Confederate flag. I had a little... There, um, I was brain fart there, but there, there were a few, but there's... Sort of you've already erased it from your memory. Yes, yeah. it is so... <laughs> yes. Um, the Confederate flag, which I see flying in Blackfalls um, every day on my commute. Hmm. So there, like in one place, not all over Blackfalls. <laughs> no, like in in one place yeah. for sure every day. Yeah. But like it's not that rare to see a really? truck or a, no, or like or, the, or, or the license plate thing. Like yeah. I see it huh. time to time. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, when I first moved here, I was horrified with how many times I saw the Confederate flag. I I was not expecting to see it in another country. Um, Peter, did you would you say you saw it more here than where you grew oh, up? No, oh no, really? okay, no. I I grew up seeing it all the time. So really? okay. even the last time I was in in Michigan, I saw uh, tons of. Uh, when I drove into my hometown, I saw tons of Confederate flags right next to Trump 2020 signs. Like, they were mm. just everywhere. They were right. synonymous. Yeah. And, and so, the only place I can remember seeing it is on the Bowen Luke Dukes, General Lee. Yeah. But I'm sure it's been on cars I've passed, but I just haven't noticed it. Growing up, what was your context? What was your understanding of, of that flag? So the understanding of the the flag in that context, because I actually didn't see it as a bad thing growing up, because mm-hmm. the way it was explained, and not by my family, but just in the community that we lived in, was that it's a protesting big government, and right. that this is the the sign of a, a freedom and small government, but. I find it interesting looking back at it that uh, we're celebrating the biggest traitors in American history. Like if you look at American history, these the the Confederacy, uh, they they betrayed the country in the biggest way possible. And yet we're still. And so they're those guys are looked at as heroes by people who would have the Confederate flag. 
like they stood up to big government or what would the thinking be there? I'm sure it's different with with, uh, each person. But one of the things that I found interesting in the public school that I grew up in, um, when we talked about the Civil War, we talked about how the Civil War wasn't about slavery, but was about government rights. And so that's what I was taught growing up. And I believed that for quite a while until I actually studied it myself. And I'm like, no, it was about slavery. Like it's, it wasn't rights a, to own slaves, basically. Yeah. <laughs> right? So like it does overlap with government, uh, uh, like uh, rights versus government rights. Like there, there is overlap there, but that's... Um, Wow. Yeah. So it, it's interesting how the the story was re, uh, retold, and this was right. in Michigan. This wasn't in a southern state. Interesting mm. that that symbol from from because I believe the Confederacy lasted five, five years. years. Like it was yeah. a pretty short lived effort that failed miserably, right? Mm-hmm. And were traitors to the country they were a part of. That that flag would live on for so long and become such a symbol for. The Dukes of Hazard, like it just, yeah. it's lived on in these strange ways. Where I, I just think that's where it gets tricky because you can accuse a guy in Blackfalls. You know, I drive by and I'm thinking ah, that guy's a racist, but I mean that's that's a judgment. Yeah. I'm just judging based on that. He might have he might have no idea what that flag represented. Yeah, um, I it, I was at a Christmas party and a fr- in this guy had it in his shop. A friend of ours. There's lots of people on the wall. There's this huge swastika um, in a metal. Like, it looked really fancy, and I'm like, so, like, dude, what is going on? Why would you have this hanging up in your shop? Ooh. His grandpa was a platoon member of a British that took down a Nazi train, and this was the ornament on the front of the train, and they ripped it off, and it's Ooh, been passed down yeah. three generations. It's like a symbol for them of beating the Nazis, right? But right. he's got it hanging up. And I, like, if I, at first I was like, is this guy a Nazi? What's going on here? But then yeah. when you hear the story, you're like, okay. Make it into a doormat or something. To, or maybe don't hang it up. Yeah, I don't know. One one yeah. of the interesting things in the states, uh, the big debate is uh, whether isn't so much with Confederate flags. So that is a debate. It's more with the statues, uh, yeah. statues of Confederate heroes, and uh, um, and so the debate is like, oh, are we trying to erase our history? And hmm. my simple response is like, no, just put it in a museum. That's where we have our symbols yeah. of history, not in the public. Statues are, are honoring. Statues are Yeah, are, like are, in the center mm-hmm. square of your Yeah. Not maybe the place to do it. Yeah. I I just though I am somebody who's uh, a big fan of uh Ulysses S. Grant, so I'm all automatically gonna like dislike any statue of, of Lee. So it's uh <laughs> Um, if you notice on my uh, bookshelf on uh, Sunday mornings with our Zoom services, I have Lee, uh, Ulysses S. Grant's autobiography. So it's his face is on it. So you'll be able to pick uh. it up. <laughs> you got to turn it so we can see the cover next time. Yeah, there we'll we go. <laughs> but the people get so protective of like the statues specifically. Like there's people out armed with assault rifles Protecting defending those. these statues, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. like the... I try to value or I try to balance the the two sides there. Like one side wants to take it down because they view it as honoring someone who hurt their their culture or, or their group of people. Or try to erase their culture. Or try to erase it. And then the others are like I don't really get what the Yeah, why are you pre- why defending are you it? so like if if do you don't not believe them that that's what it represents to them? Or, or is the argument like don't deface public property? Yeah, oh, that's what they all start saying. <laughs> or what is like what are well, they saying? I think they say what Peter said about like it's part of our history, so we've got to sure. protect it. But it is. if but it's a, if it's a negative part of your history, don't, don't celebrate it. It's kind of yeah. the a lot if, if of you, a lot of these statues too weren't built until the 1970s. That's right. So that's another thing mm-hmm. where it's like the statue itself isn't. Even it hasn't been historical. there since 1492. Yeah. So this is an honest question. In Germany, would you find Hitler statues or Goebbels statues or universities named well, they, after they Rommel? tore down like Lenin statues and stuff at the um, like at the end of the Cold War? Like, yeah, like they did the same thing. We they don't honor those, those people. Things. I guess for me, it's is it just ignorance? Like not really understand. Like, do you not believe that that flag represents th- those those themes and slavery? Or are you just pretending not to understand? Do you know what I mean? Like, I just can't understand 
Once you're explained what it means to so many millions of people and the hurt and the pain and the message it sends, yeah. if you can't say to yourself, okay, that actually, that's more, that's better for the greater good that I don't put this flag up then. Like, I feel like at that point you, you have a chance. And I feel like there's too many people who ignore that message. And, and is it, does that make sense well, what I'm saying? I, mm-hmm. Like I said, though, like when you're taught a different history, um, like my school, like I said, wasn't taught that uh, Civil War was about slavery. So like. So they don't believe that. A lot of people don't. Okay. That's what um, I was curious more, about. More people than what you would and think. And you went to school in the North. Yeah. Yeah. Like where they were against and, the slave and, owners. And we use the public school textbook and whatnot. Uh, people rationalize their way around things uh, quite easily. So I think the the beginning point with a lot of these conversations is like trying to, to correct people's information. So if, like, of course they're not going to see the Confederate flag uh, or these statues as a bad thing if they're taught that they weren't a bad thing. So Lava is correcting that. Well, and that kind of leads to the division, right? Like where if you don't fully, if you have a different understanding of it, even if you're kind of on the same page about racism or about what it historically, I guess it depends on your perspective on it. But if you're, if you have a different perspective on the history of it, it's automatically going to create two sides. Right. And like those, the people defending the statue and the people trying to tear it down or the same with the Confederate flags, they might actually be closer in values and beliefs than they, they realize. Right. But it just because that's probably true of a lot of politically contentious. Yeah. I was, I was going to say that. Right. It's just so cut and dry, like one side and the other. And that's frustrating for me. Well, let's cut this segment dry and take a quick break. (laughs) Keep talking in a sec. Okay, for this uh, part of the podcast, we're going to talk about systemic racism. <laughs> Yay! Yeah. Um, <laughs> part of the part of the struggle that I have with this topic, though, is the fact that. Uh, none of us struggle with uh, systemic racism, but I think it's important to talk about because normally when we think of racism um, as people in a majority group, we think of individuals who are racist, but we don't think of uh, systems that make it uh, more difficult for people to succeed, uh, systems that um, actively oppress people. And it's I think it's healthier to think of systems because when we think of the the police debate right now uh the debate is over like uh, the the bad cops versus the good cops but when you think of it as a system um that's not even a part of the debate because the good cops came and succeed because the system doesn't even allow it right um so i think that's a healthier way of of looking at you don't like the bad apple defense oh i get so angry at that actually i'm like that's not even the issue right now but but that's the problem with, like, naming things, too. Like, even the defund the police, like, the name, like, naming the movement, defund the police. To the one side, it looks like that's totally anti-police. Yeah. Like, you don't they, they read anymore. that as get rid of policing yeah. altogether. Whereas the, the, I think the movement is more about reconsider the way we do policing or restructure it or, but it's not. Those names don't like restructure the policing system. <laughs> Isn't a good sign? As a hashtag, right? So like, it yeah. it just leads to this, yeah. Like again, the, the two sided thing. But and I think your your point too, Peter, is our experience is well. I know a lot of good cops, and I see cops helping the community all the time. Like, how could that be a systemic problem? But if you don't know the story, and if I have not been part of a program that's out to Mm-hmm. Really, any any system where there's no authority, because especially in the states, I actually don't know the Canadian policing system at all. But in in the states, it's hard to charge any cop of a crime. Um, there's a lot of laws that prohibit that. Hmm. Um, the uh, the uh, oh, what's the the union? The police union is a very different union where they 
um, their focus isn't to put, uh, protect jobs, but to, to push specific policies um, and often uh, using up more money of a city's government and whatnot. Like it's just there isn't good um, there isn't good accountability systems in place for police in, in the states. I don't know what it's like here exactly. Well, we have our, you know, our RCMP, which is our sort of federal rural mounted police. And then we also have bigger cities have their own police forces. So there must be differences between how they're run and, and, and all of that. But certainly the RCMP has come under fire in light of all this activity and action. Um, and yeah, I think what Chris is saying is, let me really think about that. Like everyone knows a good police officer. I mean, everyone I know probably does and I do and. And so to say, to hear the message, defund the police and police are racist, like that's going to, that's, that's not going to help anything at all. It's almost like this Twitter world with hashtags and, and it doesn't really help us have a, a real conversation. How, so, okay. So if, do you guys feel like the RCMP specifically? Um, Cause wasn't the Alberta head of the RCMP, they just recently said there is systemic problems with, with racism. Do you yeah. agree with that? Well, I, I've heard stories for a long time of how, um, especially in certain provinces, Aboriginal people were treated by the police. The Starlight Tours—I don't know if you've heard of that. I just read about that idea, but basically, in the winter, people would be dropped off outside of town, a long ways from where they could get warmth hmm. or shelter. And after maybe they were drunk or using some kind of drugs, they would just be escorted out by a police car and dropped off, and probably freeze to death or. And not just probably, like a lot of them did. A lot of them right? did, yeah. Yeah. And that was intentional. It was systemic. It was targeted. Yeah, it happened over and over again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of, um, I grew up in Prince Rupert, which uh, I think it was probably 30, 40% plus sort of First Nation population, I think. I don't know for sure. Um, but I had no context for the history, the um, residential schools. Like I, I don't, that may have been part of our curriculum growing up. I don't remember. No, I don't. Any, it, no, I, think I don't think it was. pretty recent though. So I, I had no context for the people I was interacting with and no history. And, and one of the crazy things I, I got into true crime in the last couple of years and, and read about her, that one podcast about, um, the highway of tears, I think yeah. it was called, mm-hmm. yeah. which was literally the highway I drove 10 yeah, times wow. a year to Terrace BC and back yeah. and forth. Never, ever heard anything. And it was happening at that time. And the number of yeah. murdered and missing Indigenous women on that road, right, are just astounding. Yeah. And the pol- you know, now I, again, I don't know for sure, but the RCMP, the the inaction on something like that, like it was a, the numbers are staggering and so sad. And I mean, I was just a, a white kid growing up in a little time. I mean, I, I but I had, didn't know anything about that. I knew nothing about what was happening. Um, it makes me wonder, right? It makes you wonder how much the institution of the RCMP cared or was mandated to. Hmm. Well, you also, you're touching on something bigger than policing too, like education. Yeah. Right? Like all these police officers grew up in an education system that didn't teach them about residential schools. Right? right. And now they're policing with some of the biases that, I mean, yeah. different biases than our current students will have mm-hmm. because they have um, heard of residential schools and know some of those stories. Um, I had a recent conversation I've had with someone was um, basically they asked if being a teacher like when I went to university if I was brainwashed into becoming like uh, a liberal a liberal mm-hmm. a libtard and uh, and then Ooh, and then I that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and then questioning how much of that is in the curriculum now and their own kids being, in their words, exposed to these ideas of like First an Nations agenda. and residential yeah. schools. Yeah. And, um, so I think mm-hmm. that's part of this, the system as well. And it's, that's also evidence that it's going to take a long time. Like parents... When actually it was just that voice wasn't heard when we went to school. And yeah. now it's yeah. not even being heard as much. Yeah. But it's at least you hear the voice a bit. Yeah. And like, mm-hmm. so generation and with... Uh, First Nations people, like kids now, they didn't go through residential schools, but their parents may have, or yeah. their grandparents, grandparents probably for probably sure have some connection there, right? And like, so they're still going to be feeling the trauma. Sure. And in 
a similar way, like white students are going to have parents who haven't heard of residential schools or heard those stories. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. So it's, and that's, that's come to light to me a little bit more recently. So maybe I have been brainwashed by being a teacher, but I, I wasn't, <laughs> I was surprised when someone told me they didn't remember learning about residential schools. Um, a, a book that I highly recommend for people who need to do more learning of residential schools, because when I first came here, like the, the U S had, has many problems, uh, um, with how it's, uh, dealt with first nations people a lot of injustice against first nation people in the states but canada it's a different story that i've been trying to learn and a book uh, seven fallen feathers mm -hmm. has been really helpful for me to understand um a lot of a lot of the issues that canada has with this so i highly recommend that seven fallen feathers today spencer and i were looking at um different courses that the college offered and one is a justice uh, diploma that you that I think you would often take on your way to becoming a police officer maybe or if you're thinking of pre-law or something but the the courses that are offered in there there I think are three different courses on aboriginal issues and indigenous reconciliation I was kind of pleasantly surprised to see that that's what some of the courses were that were part of that program I'm so maybe it is changing I'm just thinking about the the parallels between what you mentioned earlier but you learned in your public school about the civil war and, and what parts it maybe focused on and didn't. And we're talking about, it is very interesting how a lot of, a lot of this comes down to what we learn and what we know and how willing we are to learn. Um, when you've been told something your whole life, you might not want to hmm. hear something else. Or you might see it as brainwashing. It's, mm -hmm. You know, you have a belief you've held since you were a young person and if something challenges that, it's pretty easy to call someone a name. A libtard, I think you said. Yeah. Can we do another podcast episode at some point about um, this perception that academic institutions are just brainwashing people? That drives me crazy. So yeah, let's let's set a, that to the side. Yeah, like sure. I think it'll be a good topic. But yeah, I don't know how prevalent that is. I'm, I, I know it is in some parts of Canada. I, I, I think in the states. Oh, it's I much deal worse. with it all the time. Really? in Canada. Really? So okay. there's an automatic distrust of anybody who comes from an academic institution. Right. So. The sort of apprehension towards and as somebody or? who was in school for nine years i have a, <laughs> a big trust of oh. academic institutions so yeah. it, it's a, i mean i loved going to post-secondary i'll talk about that let's do it do they know it took you nine years to do like a three-year program <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> it was a, certificate. a lot of people go to school for nine years richard it was actually a two-year program. You need to get your facts. Uh, and then it was a six-month course on Photoshop, and that's how you made your degree. That was super. was having a conversation with a friend the other day about white privilege and the conversation was basically um, the person I was speaking to not thinking that white privilege was something that was real or refuting that it was actually that much of a privilege in itself and in my attempt to explain it and you guys please correct me if I'm wrong here um, mm -hmm. I talked a little bit about sometimes it actually is it's not necessarily overt prejudice or bias for whites but it's kind of systemic and it's it's built in to and it allows advantages to people white people often males in a society where they have um advantages over other people and that can be um products that are targeted to them or jobs that are lined up for them or uh just things in life that sort of work out easier because the system is set up by and for White males. Would you say that's sort of what white privilege is in a nutshell? Yeah. yeah. I mean, our country was set up by white, white males. males. Right. And like not, I mean, things have changed. Although, how many of our premiers are white males at this point today? Let me are do all a quick of them? little check. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe. Yeah. They haven't always been, but no, I'm, our last no, one wasn't. Though we're discussing the issue of white privilege, maybe we should back up a little bit to just the issue of privilege. 
Mm. Uh, because like white privilege isn't the only privilege that's within society. Sure. So there's there's uh, privilege with gender or there's uh, privilege with uh, orientation. Like there's a lot of um, like there is a certain life that is better and easier than other lives that people experience. And do you think there would be people who would deny what you just said? Oh yeah, definitely. People right. do that all the time. Right. Are they typically white males? Yeah. Heterosexual? Yeah, usually. Okay. Tyler, I'm wondering if this fits into what you were talking about earlier where like somebody might say, well, actually that's not privilege. That's like, is there a place here where you can have a harmonious conversation or is it like, no, this is, this is obvious. Like maybe it was, you know, under the radar before, but it's overt now. Like we can see it. Well, the, I don't know if this is what you're referring to, but the conversations I've had with people, I've gotten a vibe, just a vibe of defensiveness or like, like where they say Hmm. privilege isn't, white privilege isn't a thing. Everyone has equal Everyone's treated the same. I've worked hard for what I have. Right. And it's almost like a defensive, like, my life wasn't easy. I definitely didn't have privilege. I earned this. But that's not really what it's about. It's not about an individual story, right? It's about a system. It's about, it's more complex than that. Um, But yeah, that's where it, it gets, like, the one conversation that keeps coming back into my mind here is, it was really clear that me and and this this friend weren't on the same page but we had different kind of a different understanding of white privilege too um like he almost it seemed like and i I can't speak on their behalf it seemed like they viewed it as an attack on white people yeah whereas i yeah and And for you it was like having an awareness that maybe the deck is stacked against people who aren't Right, and not necessarily that I got where I am with my empire of podcasts and like <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, Patreon accounts because I'm white necessarily, right? Like, but also just acknowledging that there are people of color and minorities and all. Like Peter, you said it's not just about race or. Like, it's all kinds of things like that. There are people who have it a little tougher. Hey, we can acknowledge that you worked hard to get where you are, but you didn't have the disadvantage of those other things. Right. Yeah. Uh, Michelle Obama said in her uh, autobiography uh, that uh, a saying in the black community is that you often have to uh, try twice as hard to get half as far. Hmm. And I think that is a wonderful saying to, Hmm. to just kind of think about and even if you could somehow measure that to see if that's true or not which you can't well yeah right but like just the fact that a group of people feels that way to me is enough to do try to do something about it if there's a whole group of people who feels like they have to work way harder than everyone else there's probably a problem somewhere right but i feel like some people that's not a problem for them because it's they they feel threatened by that because now you're going to take away my opportunities right for another group of people i was thinking about the george floyd murder that you mentioned at the start of the show and so he was i mean everyone listening knows what happened but you know a lot of the stuff you hear afterwards is you know the media will dig into his past and oh he was you know he was arrested a couple times and like he was into drugs and stuff as if that somehow makes it okay that he was just straight up murdered by a police, like beyond the scope of that being this, the, the worst argument I can imagine. I just can't imagine that being made if it was a white guy that it happened to, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just can't, you show me an example where they will do something like that. And I'm talking, you know, this is maybe more the States and maybe more media in general. But I remember when I heard that, I just thought like, that is so gross and so unfair and I just couldn't, I couldn't account for it other than him being a, a black guy. Like I just, that, that, that's, am I wrong? Like it just feels like that's what happens. Yeah. I think that's what happens. I think you're right. But what's even more devastating about that story is that, uh, uh, George Floyd had a very positive impact on his community. Like he had a conversion experience, like, uh, halfway through his life and, uh, people saw him as a very positive 
person. So like, like, yeah, you're totally right where we like, it doesn't matter if this person did good or bad, like this was a wrong thing, but we're even changing his life story in order to make him seem bad, which is just crazy and ridiculous and just uh, one of the most, yeah, horrific things I've, I've seen. Um, Yeah. It just makes me I'd be hard pressed to see that happening if it was, like I said, like a white guy. I just don't think that would be the reaction. Maybe, Maybe I'm wrong about that. But if that's not yeah, I'm just thinking like it. We can point out and find examples of privilege or things in other parts of the world, like the caste system in India, where people would be mm-hmm. kind of like objectively that's terrible. But would those same people not recognize white privilege in North America if they were kind of given the facts? Or I don't know. It's now it's being laid so plain and bare that you'd think. What excuse would you have now not to recognize it? Well, it seems, yeah, it's like denial or fear. Maybe it's fear. That it's, that you're going to give something up if you admit that it's there. Yeah. And with the George Floyd thing, another thing that I've heard, and I mean, I don't have a reason to think this isn't true, but I've heard that the, the police officer had like 18 previous Right up, or like at, at least uh, Something they like that in the states. It isn't law that you actually have to like keep all those write ups. So there's a possibility that he could have had more than eighteen. But yeah, right. So like that, yeah, like that just points to another systemic thing, right? Like, and it's not we need to get rid of police, but we just need to maybe change the way we do things, um, identify some of these things, try to learn about it. And I think the first step is acknowledging it. And that's, for me, the part where it's been difficult to be harmonious with people is just getting to that first acknowledging point. Like, if we can't acknowledge the same problem, how do we work towards a solution? One of the things I've noticed, too, is the the people who struggle with acknowledging the problem, um, from my observance anyway, they don't really... Uh, read a lot of different stories of people who are minority groups or talk to a lot of people who are in uh, minority groups. Like, like their experience is a very limited experience. And so, like, it, I think it's impossible to combat prejudice if you actually don't hear from the actual minority groups. And so often we just form our opinions of the minority group and there we go. That's yeah. Well, and maybe it's easier to be a racist when you don't know anybody of any other or homophobic or or whatever it is. Your ism is. Yeah. 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 Like when you never have met somebody who's not like you, you've never been, you never even tried to, live in community with them and then you realize wow how could i be racist well these people are my friends these are the people i play soccer with or go to school with or go out for dinner with that reminds me when i first moved here um i think i I mentioned before but uh (laughs) and you know we we live in a very white province let's 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 you know we all know that like what yeah (laughs) this is like the most diverse group of people we could find for the podcast (laughs) Um, am i the diverse one (laughs) you're american we have an american with a beard um no, but when we first moved here, and, and I was at a party with Tyler, New Year's Eve party, with probably what, maybe, I, it was a while, yeah, it was a while back. a pretty big party. Big party, like a lot of people, a lot of couples, kids, and actually, no, there were no kids, no there kids New back Year's. then. But. but the picture was posted online, and my friend from Vancouver messaged me, he's like, dude, do you have any non-white friends? Because it was like a room full of just white it's people. It's probably like 40 or 50 people. At least, right? And in Vancouver, that you that would never, you know, a group like that would never look like that, so... I didn't really even think about it until that point where it's like, yeah, we don't really have a lot of interactions um, with minority groups here. And it, um, it's not, not like we, it's good or bad. I'm just saying. No, it's just a reality, it's a reality where, where we live. Yeah. But yeah, acknowledging it is a, and like that we might have some biases. We or might be in ignorance. a shell here. We or might have might, some ignorance like, yeah. <laughs> because of that. In this group right here, we may have some ignorance. Ignorance? <laughs> ignorance. Well, we obviously do. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think one of the things too to realize with with any form of prejudice, every 
every minority group has a different experience. So they have different themes, different parallels that are similar. But like, if you talk to like, um, um, a black person in South, um, in the Southern United States or a first nations person in Canada or, uh, or an LGBTQ person, like they're going to have very different experiences, but you're going to see similar themes um, that kind of flow throughout their stories. So I, I think the biggest thing is listening to stories. Sure. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, if you want a timely and amazingly well-produced podcast, it's called 1619. Yeah, it's, it's so good. It's really, really good. It's about slavery, the origins. Hmm. Um, all the way back to the start in the States. And it is a mind-blowingly, it's just, it's, yeah, it's really great. It's by the New York Times. I'm adding it to my pocket cast list right and now. And I just couldn't stop. I mean, it's, it, it's, some of it's hard to listen to, obviously, but it's just, it's a really, speaking of stories, it's a really important one. Especially the last couple episodes where it talks about the farmer. Yeah. Like, I just fell apart. Like, it's yeah. a very important podcast to listen to. I like to podcast while I do dishes and mow the lawn, but that one I kind of had to just sit and listen to it. I, I, you know, it was that kind of thing, so. And it looks like there's only five or six episodes so yeah, far. Yeah, a bit longer it's than, new. yeah, but it, it is really good. Okay, thank you. Yeah, like the New York Times good made that podcast at the same time that they were publishing a bunch of stories um, on 1619 as, as well, and it's... Uh, it came out like a year ago, actually. Yeah, it is. It's fairly new, but still before the recent yeah. protests. Yeah, I've so. noticed that's gone to like the top ten like Apple Podcasts in the past couple weeks. Well, in so. books and audio books right now, like if you look at the top top sellers, like they're well, one of them is I can't remember his name right now, but he wrote like how to be an anti racist. Hmm. Like that's. Like an anti racist. It's been around for a while, but now all of a it's, sudden, and that's yeah, a good renewed thing, interest in those things. Are, yeah. What can I do? What can I... Just educate a little bit. Yeah. Like, read about it. Hear some different perspectives. And I've been trying... Like, I told you guys before we started recording that I might find it difficult to be um, harmonious in some of this. Um, but uh, with... I totally forgot what I was going to say. You're going to have to edit this out. <laughs> That's Okay. I was waiting for my chance. You're gonna though, have to edit this. Though, though maybe I could add on, add on to to that. I think one of the difficulties of being harmonious in like moral issues like this is somebody who's on the other side. That's like, right. like, do you give them a voice? Right. Um, if somebody is saying my something that is morally or, wrong, yeah. um, like, like for example, one of the things that. Um, I've been talking to people a lot about lately is over the issue of conversion therapy. The people who who uh, are pro conversion therapy or against the bill that bans conversion therapy, uh, do you give them a voice? Like it's something that's morally wrong. Do you give them a voice for that? So like I think a lot of these social issues, the struggle is do you give the other side a voice? And I think you talked about that a little bit earlier. I, I was wondering, like, the next generation seems to be that this isn't so much a problem for them. Like, young people, let's say 30 and under, 25 and under, it, acceptance is the name of the game for them. Like, what, whatever the issue is, it seems to me. Is is racism going to age itself out, or is it always being bred and passed on, and is that hate always there, do you think? Or are we going to have, like, the next generation will be so accepting this isn't an issue for them? I'm pretty cynical, and I think that prejudice will always exist. Yeah, of some form or another. Yeah, and and that may be a very non-hopeful way of looking at it. Like, I hope that things change. Like, yeah. Like, I do think future generations do have, like, uh, a moral compass that's stronger than what I've seen in quite a while. Um uh, but I, I'm still quite cynical. Hmm. Well, on that note, that's it. <laughs> yeah, it seems little, like I'll an little, awkward little pause. There, but it's uh, like, I don't want to break there, so I don't have a joke. <laughs> So we'll probably end our evening. It's getting dark out here, Tyler. 
Um, I think I saw a bat. It happens here in Lacombe. It gets dark. Yeah. (laughs) A little farther north, it should be lighter. (laughs) That's pretty snarky. Um, We're going to just maybe talk a little bit at the end here about how racism is heavy and it's hurtful and it's it's really difficult to talk about. So how are we supposed to be harmonious um, with those around us when... um, Yeah, I mean, we were just kind of talking between segments like we always do about... I think we maybe all four of us even have a time where we look back and we think, I really should have said something in that moment, or I shouldn't have said what I said. And I think we have a lot of guilt sometimes about our responsibility. Um, So what is our responsibility, I guess, is a a good question. And also, in general, have we ever had a time where we want to share a success or something we're proud of or... Yeah, what worked. What worked. Well, I had a recent conversation where in a larger group the this was soon after uh george floyd was killed and uh it came up and it it was in a larger group so it was hard to get really into it but it became very clear that me and another guy were a little bit off um not on the same page and then later on we talked on the phone and it was uh it was a good conversation it was i was very conscious of remaining harmonious and I was in a way like I was I'm proud of not becoming angry or um like very antagonistic being against like want me against you but I guess in reflection I do wonder if I should have if this is a time when you should stand up and really confront somebody Right, because in I didn't say this to to the person, but I felt like some of the things they were saying were racist, but they would not identify as a racist. They were just trying to justify. Would you identify them as a racist? But I would like some of the things they said were, I thought hurtful or hateful or, well, like you clearly think that one race is better than another. Yeah. Yeah. That isn't that what racism is. I would say, but I didn't say that because in the in the hopes to remain harmonious. So, yeah, like not that that absolves you from your own conduct, but you're trying to keep the lines of communication open. Yeah, I get that. That's one of the struggles I actually have. Do you aim for little changes or big changes? Is I think what kind of boils down to because like little changes is like you just lightly push on ideas that people have and you want to like keep the friendship with them and uh and maybe little changes will be more effective in the long run like um uh or do you focus on big changes where you just uh really push heavily on somebody's ideas uh but they might get really defensive and not change or listen to you at all yeah. and that's kind of the debate right now well i wonder if that's more about knowing the people you're talking to and it when you're in relationship with somebody it's do I know you well enough to speak that truth into your life or is this like, well, we're just kind of acquaintances and this might not, this might just sever any kind of relationship we have. Like maybe it's not topical, maybe it's more relational, those things. I don't know. Well, I think it's a balance of those things, right? Like you want to keep your, you have to pick your spots and know your relationship and build your relationship um, in order to, whether it's a small change or a big change or a small conflict or a big conflict, right? Like it's a, a balancing act. Cause and you might even say, well, it's better for me not to know people like that, but you might be the only person like you that that person knows whoever has a chance of reaching them. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's kind of a, sometimes it's like, what do I, what do I have to lose? I've had situations yeah. like that in the past where I'm like, I'm going to confront this guy yeah. right now. Cause what do I have to lose? Yeah. Like it's, we don't have a, relationship really i'm calling you out on this so i'm gonna this is a time to do it but other times it's yeah it's tricky i just have a really hard time staying staying calm i have a really hard time you get worked up too easily maybe we should create a mantra together as gentlemen (laughs) that we just kind of go through harmony my deep breathing could come in handy here (laughs) what i what i found that did help if the more I think about it, the more I, I guess I'm okay with the way I handled this recent situation. 
I just asked lots of questions. Yeah. And and uh, tried to listen, which is modeling what I'm hoping they do. Yeah. It also is a way of heaping coals on somebody in a way, right? Like it br- it can bring out like, wow, that's really what you think and you just said it by answering the questions I'm asking? Right. Ooh. Might make them say something they never actually said out loud. Yeah. They realize, right. oh, that doesn't okay. sound too good. Maybe well, I am a racist. Yeah. Now, I wonder too how like the best way for minorities to react within a majority group. Like let's say like within a church, what if there's like one or two people of a minority like, how are they supposed to react and function within the church? Do they just lightly, like, press against issues that they see because they like their church community? Or do they, um, do they want to, do they push for the changes that would be, that would be healthy for them? It's, uh, well, I think it'll be a lot easier for them to push for the changes they want if the majority or members of the majority start pushing for those changes, too. Mm-hmm. Right, because I like if you imagine being in one of those groups and wanting change, but having all the added pressure of the feeling, like uh, feelings of oppression or yeah. restriction, like you can imagine just how difficult that would be. So to see like a white male stand up for the rights of a minority, like would make it a lot easier for them. And that's, yeah, kind of what I've been thinking about lately. Those are good things to think about. And when you're feeling emboldened, good things to talk about. Yeah. You went to the rally in Red Deer, Tyler? How was that? I really, yeah, I appreciated it. I went for a few reasons. Like, I went with my family. Um, I was going to go on my own, but then talked to my fa- like my wife and my fa- my kids about it and it felt like the right thing to do and it was it led to some good conversations with my kids who were quite young but I think it was I think someone mentioned earlier that like the younger generation doesn't see those differences in the same way and it was that was the the difficult part was that we were kind of like revealing these things to our kids yeah right and uh it's the first they had heard about that yeah yeah and um, but I think that that's good conversation to have. Um, and I liked the way it was done. First of all, I was, I was happy that there was one in Red Deer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, um, the and spe- it was fairly well attended. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, uh, I mean, the speakers were quite good and like the, the content obviously is a little heavy and not positive, but I still felt hopeful mm. afterwards. Like it was. Yeah, as far cool. as like peaceful protests go, it was there was some anger there, and but it was still, I thought it was it was balanced and it was it was good. And uh, one of my old students, shout out to Selamani, yeah, he was one of the speakers cool. and he did a great job. Oh, um, he was really, wow. Yeah, kind of speaking oh, about fantastic. his experience and and that was also like impactful to me. To yeah, know that like I like one of my my students who is black is does not feel safe around police officers in central Alberta. Like, yeah, yeah. That's, you need to listen to that voice. An American thing, but to, to go to Red Deer and hear, and it wasn't just like black lives matter. It was, uh, murdered and, um, missing indigenous women. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was, it was well balanced and it was good. Hmm. Well, this talk has been good as well. (laughs) Yeah. I think, um, we could do like a two or three hour edition of this, but uh, maybe we'll end it right there. Peter, thanks for joining us again. Yeah, thanks for inviting me every other episode. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's kind of our trajectory right now. <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah, well, thanks for sharing, you guys. And uh, Tyler wrapping it up nicely with that. Thanks a lot. We're going to do a quick break. Do some confessions, which seems... Yeah, <laughs> a little weird. <laughs> a little weird. <laughs> but after a break, it'll. Maybe we'll take a break we'll and see there. how we feel. We'll, we'll be right back. If the jingle is the confessions jingle, you know that's what's coming up. Deal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, confessions. 
Confessions this uh, this month are brought to you by Craft Dinner. Mmm, Craft Dinner. <laughs> so my confession <laughs> is, <laughs> um, I was in the basement uh, a little while back, and my my birthday is today. As we I think we mentioned as we saying <laughs> earlier, just just say my birthday is today. And a couple weeks ago, I was in the basement and I forgot what I was doing, trying to find something, and uh, I moved a, a small cooler, and it fell open, and there were um, six tall cans in there. So empty? Uh, no, full. Full. So I feel like it's a, it was a gift for me that Heidi had got for my birthday, right? Nice. So I was pretty excited, but I closed it up, put it to the side again, and uh, the next day she said, "You're in the basement," and I said, "Yeah." And she said, "Did you find something?" And I said, "No, I didn't find anything." So I I t- I just didn't want her to think that I had spoiled the surprise. So I told her I didn't didn't find the the thing. <laughs> And I was kind of, but I was pretty like, she kept asking, I was pretty adamant, like, I didn't, I didn't find it, like, let's just move on. But then the more she's adamant, the more I have to like, basically boldface lie. double right? down, triple down. <laughs> so then today, my birthday, didn't get the beer. <laughs> now what do you do? You are in and, some kind of pickle. So now I re- it looked really good. I really want it. But now Father's Day is next week. So I'm thinking mm. maybe it's a, so maybe I'll chat next time. But you should have some serious qualms if you don't get it next if week. If I don't get it next week. Is this like, episode just, coming out before Father's Day or after I was Father's thinking about that. I think I'm going to try to get it out, you know, five, six days. So right before Father's Day, maybe get it out. <laughs> give her a chance to listen to it. So Heidi, hey, uh, I found the beer. <laughs> I'm really excited about it. Can you please give it to me for Father's Day? But I mean, now we're confessing the lies we're using to cover up surprises. That's not that. Is that not a... Well, you're a good. Guy. You're a good guy. I I don't know. <laughs> is this a real confession? Is there, I think it's no. A real I think because you had to like continue with it, it wouldn't have been otherwise. But yeah, it's real. Because she's mean, I, calling you out on it. She's calling me out, and I. And now she probably wants to play it out and see what happens. Well, if she listens to the episode, that's the best part. I <laughs> That'll think. be a good <laughs> confession from her. She'll eventually. get through that whole hour long talk. We'll see. So that's my <laughs> confession. <laughs> There's beer in my house that oh, I want. <laughs> That's good. Who else wants to go? I can confess. I don't know what's going to happen with the editing of this episode, but there's been a couple times where I was just really articulate (laughs) and and just speaking really well and about to make a great point, and then I just forgot what I was going to say. And that's happened a couple times tonight. And uh, I guess my confession is that it's kind of a recommendation as well, like Blind Man. <laughs> <laughs> Blind Man makes very good beer. And nice. uh, my confession is that I really like their beer, and sometimes I forget what I was about to say. You, you didn't forget your point there, so good no, job. No, that was my, my was point. Blind Man, Blind Man, Blind Man beer makes great, great beer. It's true. Nice. And they, they support great podcasts, too. Yes. Peter. I have no confession. No confession. Whoa. That's allowed. Oh, That's really? Allowed. Yeah. Is well, that? Okay. I'm just not creative enough to think of a confession. So I'm sure I've done many things wrong. That's true. Yeah. Like lending books to me that you'll yeah, never okay. get back. Yeah, okay. You really... <laughs> Okay, this is my confession. I haven't expressed my anger toward Graham for not giving me back my books in a timely manner. Um, no, I've been a bad friend in terms of book borrowing, I have. <laughs> but I'm actually really not that angry. But you do need to read them. Like, uh, I will. They're yeah. books by Ronan Farrell. Highly recommend them. Yeah. 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 I will. You better. Because you're turning all your confessions into recommendations. It's a lot easier that way. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) My confession is tied to a previous recommendation, which is my love for succulents. But I have a little um, series of them that are planted within a beechwood or driftwood that washed up on Vancouver Island that I found and hollowed out and planted some in. And they're basically all dying. And Shanna keeps telling me that I need to do a better job of reading, which need more water or less sunlight or whatever. Because I've got six that are just looking terrible, and it, I'm confessing that I'm not doing a good of job as my as I should with my hobby. Man, I, I killed a lot of succulents, <laughs> <laughs> and you, then I just buy new ones to yeah. replace them. I Is guess it, that's more the, that's more like don't. I hope she doesn't find out. I'm just going to buy four new ones. At least it's not like 
gerbils or something. No. <laughs> yeah. I cool, wish it would happen cool to project, my cat. Though. That's a cool idea. I like that. Yeah. Like you. Like it looks good when they're alive and then they slowly die off. Okay. <laughs> I have a gift for succulents, so you could send those you? my way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All Some mine of mine are just... doing great, but this this one series is... One of a series. Yeah. <laughs> well, this may be our, our, our longest gentleman episode ever, but really? it was really enjoyable. Mm-hmm. So thank you to everyone and for... Uh, Tyler for hosting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Peter just for being a good guy. Like I, try. I said, This is brought to you by Kraft Dinner. Mmm, Kraft Dinner. Uh, <laughs> anyone have any closing now. thoughts? Okay, closing thought is Kraft Dinner. I've never heard it called that until moved to Canada. And what do you call it? Uh, mac and cheese. Oh, mac and cheese. Yeah, it's well, not it, Kraft it's, Dinner, it's it mac is. and cheese. The brand oh. is Kraft Dinner. No, it's Simon Cograft Kraft Dinner in the States. So really? It's just the Kraft brand mac and cheese. You know, it was solidified in the song If I Had a Million Dollars by the Bare Naked Ladies, where they <laughs> talk about Kraft Dinner. It's in the lexicon forever here, so get used it, to it. Isn't that it's Canadian a Canadian band? thing? I think. <laughs> yeah. Hmm? yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk. <laughs> So if you, like Tim Alien, would like to send us uh, oh, yeah. an email, please do to, gen- what is our email? <laughs> HarmoniousGentleman at gmail.com. Yeah. And yeah. nothing makes our day more than than uh, reading a new email on there. And, uh, it's true. Especially from the alien. Thank you again. Mm-hmm. Um, you had a text that you got. Do you want to read that next time? Uh, yeah, it's related to our last podcast. I'll read it next time. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah okay. some good feedback on our last episode. Yeah, the feedback can be negative. We... Uh, we welcome it. It's almost it our can and time. should. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it might be. Yeah. <laughs> we always like ask for this kind of criticism at the end of the episode when most of the people would have stopped listening. Yeah. Oh, good point. If they didn't. That's like good it. marketing. Which it's is called great. being smart. It's strategy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, if you're still listening, maybe you should win a prize. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, email, we, email the show. We talked about doing give some us stickers. Five, five or four stars 24 on episodes ago. or whatever you can give us. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm done. Okay. I actually have a real confession. Oh. Um, before <laughs> recording, this is kind of on Krista's behalf. We thought I was g- supposed to point out to you, Chris, that we have so many succulents on display. I've noticed these. Oh, good. Okay. Oh, yeah. And I was going to ask her about that we them. We were like hoping, just praying that you Oh, would no. Recognize. They look great. I was going to ask Krista about them and then. Okay. Yeah, right. I, I am impressed by this. <laughs> oh, no, I saw them right away. <laughs> I didn't even notice there was something sitting there. That's cool. Yeah, they're plants. Yeah, they're, they look great. <laughs> Can't see you guys. They're very healthy. 